Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. When I first moved to New York, I got a job as a web developer. I had a full-time job with benefits. And I quit the job in order to work with my sketch group. And that was a very risky decision. But then, nine months after that was when we went to the Aspen Comedy Festival with our sketch group, um, which was like a big, I was like 23 or something like that. I'm so happy that the group you know, had a high and then broke up and then my career took a dip after that. You know, I had to deal with the fact that I felt we were prodigies. Oh my God, we're going to get our own TV show. We're doing so well. We're like 23 years old and we're going to Aspen. Like we're going to be huge, you know, and then we weren't. Um, And I was like, okay, I have to build back up if I want to continue having a career in this industry. And that's a normal thing. I realized that's a normal thing to happen to people. I learned early Oh, a little bit of failure is like, okay, (laughs) you know, like there's, there are ups and downs and that's fine. And so I'm very happy I had that experience in my early twenties, uh, rather than, rather than later on. Hey everybody. Welcome back to another episode of industry standard with me, Barry Katz. Hope you're having a great week. Very excited about this week's episode with Adam Conover. This guy is incredible. And before I get started, I just want to let you know that if you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Twitter or Instagram, or you can find me wherever your social media is. I'd love you to follow me wherever you find me or subscribe to the podcast wherever you find that. It'd mean a lot, and I really appreciate it. And you can reach me also at barrycats.com, and I will answer any questions you have if you're patient with me in any of those platforms. All right, without further ado, let's get started and introduce my guest, Adam Conover. Adam is an investigative comedian exploring the weirdest and wildest reaches of human knowledge. He does that as the creator and star of True TV's hit Adam Ruins Everything, a show where the educational comedy shines a light on popular false impressions and trends. The show is truly original and unique, and for anyone who watches it, it will really, really blow you away. 
Adam is currently taking the television show to a new experience on the road with Adam Ruins Everything Presents Mind Parasite, live with Adam Conover. Additionally, Adam recurs on the Netflix animated series BoJack Horseman and was a regular panelist on VH1's Best Week Ever. A writer and performer for College Humor Originals, Adam also wrote for VH1's Stevie TV and wrote and starred in the film festival darling The Exquisite Corpse Project. He is a founding member of the sketch group Old English, who performed at HBO's Comedy Fest in Aspen and was named Best Sketch Group on the Web by Crack.com. As a stand-up comedian, you can catch Adam regularly in the top New York and L.A. comedy clubs. Now in its third incredibly successful season, the New York Times calls Adam Ruins Everything one of history's most entertaining shows dedicated to the art of debunking and refers to Adam as a genial provocateur. I couldn't agree with them more. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival, please welcome my guest today. What an honor, Adam Connor. Hey, thanks for having me. It truly is a pleasure. You are fascinating to me, and I'll tell you why. Every artist, I try to impress upon them. Write, create, star, executive produce your own shit and figure out how to put something out there yeah. that nobody else is doing. And I'm sitting across from a guy <laughs> who did that. Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I tried to do, and I'm I'm very happy I was able to. I, I think that's really important. You know, ultimately, it's the only way that you can control your own destiny. You know, but and get your own actual creative voice out there and say the things that you want to say is to is to do it all yourself, which is overwhelming when you get started. You know, because you end up doing literally every job in the kitchen. But yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing you got to do. Take our audience through 24 hours before you came up with the idea on a napkin <laughs> and right. how it mirrors your point of view and your life and the people in your life, your mom, your dad, your sister. Right. Just so our audience knows. Yeah. Well, it's funny because there was no there was no like lightning bolt moment like that. You know, it was a it was like a slow process over the course of about a year and a half to two years of creating the show. Uh, you alluded to uh, you, I say in my act uh, that you know I come from a family of scientists, so my entire family's PhDs except for me. So I grew up in and I'm like the black sheep who like went into comedy, you know. And uh, but I grew up in this academic household, and so I always had that curiosity and that sort of love of learning and and stuff like that. And I've just been an information sponge my whole life. You know, like I've been sort of person I, I've been, you know, I read every issue of The New Yorker for like 15 years. You know, I, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks in my car. I rarely listen to music. You know, it's just how I take stuff in. Um, and I was always trying to share that information with people. But a lot of times they didn't like it. You know what I mean? People be having a conversation and I'd be going, oh, actually, I read an article that says uh, and they're like, what are you talking about? Get out of here. You know, this is annoying. Um, and uh, that was just my relationship with other people. So your relationship with people in the world, your friends, your family, and even people you met briefly or other comics was contrarian. Yeah, it, it was. And it was also me getting rejected for that, you know, for for uh, jumping in with unwanted information. Right. Or I, I always had a certain 
you know, social awkwardness and lack of facility that I, I don't feel like I was actually cured from until I started doing stand up. Actually, um, I, I did sketch comedy for many years before I started doing stand up. I started sketch comedy in college. What college was that? I was Bard College, um, Bard. a really funky liberal arts school, upstate New York. Um, and we started a sketch group there that got sort of a lot of. Uh, we did well on the pre-YouTube internet because we were uploading videos and no one else was uploading videos. So it was a real like vacuum for content. Now we would not have been able to compete. We were really lucky. It was the total Wild West years. Like I compressed all the video. We encoded the site ourselves, you know. Um, and then we moved to New York off of that. And uh, we did that in New York until about 2009. And then the group broke up. It was just, you know college guys like there's tension and you know you can only sustain so long and so that's when I started doing stand-up and I started conceiving of myself as a performer you know and you started doing stand-up in New York City yeah in New York City and the places that you used to go to get on stage in the very beginning was where uh, I would do any open mic I could so I would use like I think the site is still up the bad Slava open mic list and I would just go to every mic and then, you know, there's a great, at least at the time, I assume there still is a great open mic scene in New York where you can just bounce from place to place. You know, you see people, you say, oh, that guy's funny. That, that girl's funny. That person's doing it right. That person's doing it wrong. Or I'll go hang out with the people who are doing it right and say, oh, what, what mic are you going to next? You know? And so many people from that world are now, uh, you know, have risen, you know, we, we've all risen together. You who know? are some of those people I met, that you started with? I met Michelle Wolf our first week doing open mics. It was both of us at our first week. Her and Aaron Lennox were together. Aaron Lennox is also a very funny comic. Um, and uh, we met each other at an open mic and they're like, oh, you're, that was really funny. Oh, that was really funny. Where are you going next? Oh, we're going over here. You know, it was just totally organic like that. And uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, the, and the first mainstream comedy club in New York of the six to eight of them that you got your first break and you were passed in was where? You know, that's funny. I have never been a club comic. So you pounded the pavement in New York, mm -hmm. but not one mainstream club said you're my guy no never but you got your television show going and on yeah. the air yeah and all these comics in there that don't have a television show <laughs> right we're regulars we're, i mean we're also you know we're talking here at, at just for laughs i never did new faces you know um i uh i auditioned i got close and then they sort of let me know ah never mind you know and i and i couldn't i could barely get booked on a showcase for years after that you know and i was like well if i ever go i'll it'll be when i'm doing my hour right and they brought me out to do that and Lo and behold, that's what we're doing this year. So, uh, you know, my my philosophy with that kind of gatekeeping, you know, the the booker or whatever at, at uh, whatever it is, if you can if you can get a yes from a gatekeeper, great. But if you can't, just go around because the power that they have is very, you know, it's a phantasm, it's a fiction. Um, I worked a lot out of UCB because uh, my sketch group had done shows there and I knew that sort of system. And so- And for I, our audience that isn't in mainstream upper comedy. Citizens Brigade Com uh, upper, upper Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, yeah, uh, which, uh, you know, is, I was able to get a lot of stage time there. I taught sketch comedy there for a while. Uh, you know, I did a little bit I, I worked out of uh, uh, out of the comic strip live for a little bit before they stopped booking me there's like a brief period where the owner's son was booking it and so I was able to get spots and then they took that privilege away from him and they stopped booking me but I still get the avails emails hey everybody I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am if you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet 
then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. After the show, Adam ruins everything. Yeah. Premiere and it's on for a year and it's going well. Yeah. Something tells me that you might have just briefly stopped by some of these clubs mm -hmm. just walk in and see what happens. What happens? Sure. I, I mean, well, it's funny. I don't, again, I don't do that at the big clubs that much because I feel like that's always such a whole scene, you know, and uh, I never liked hanging out at those when I was even a starting comic because I don't want, I never want to be the person who's seen as, oh, this guy's trying to get a stage time. So he's hanging around the bar, you know? And so I don't, I don't big time stuff that much, but you know, I'm still most comfortable at, uh, uh, at bar shows and, you know, alt rooms and, and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, those sorts of spaces, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've definitely, you know, used my. Uh, ability to get some stage time at like the improv in, in LA in order to run my hour and stuff like that. Um, cool. But, but I, I don't know. I don't like the culture of like showing up and being like, Hey, you're going to put me up. Right. Cause then the worst thing that happens is they say, actually, no. <laughs> and you're like, Oh fuck. I tried to big dog and, and I got denied, you know? So, <laughs> so it's a yeah. process of a year and a half right. coming up with the so, format of the show. So what I did was um, simultaneous as I was hitting the pavement doing stand up in New York, I also was a, a sketch comedy writer, a college humor, uh, the comedy website. And at that time I had to, I had to write two sketches a week, every week. And, uh, in that was very good, but in stand up, you know, after a while you try to, after doing it for enough years, you learn how to make a crowd laugh, right? Uh, you can reliably make them laugh. The harder thing to do is how do you make them remember you and give a shit about you? Right. So that you're not just yet another dude up there, uh, telling a couple jokes and then getting off stage. And so I started putting in my act, stuff that I had learned from these, you know, all this like store of knowledge that I had, like stuff that made me go like, holy shit, when I learned it. And I tried to like combine that with the laugh. And when I did that, audiences started like paying more attention. You know, I did the original bit I did was on the, uh, the the myth of the diamond engagement ring. We think it's this age old tradition. It was really made up by the De Beers Diamond Corporation in the 30s as a way to sell more diamonds. And they put it in ads and magazines and things like that. And we forgot that that happened. And we just assume it's an old tradition, right? When really it was an ad campaign. Um, now that blows people's minds when I tell them that. So I started doing that on stage and people were like, they were laughing at the punchlines I wrote around it. But they were also like, holy shit, is that true? Are you kidding me? They'd come up to me afterwards. Say, oh, I looked that up. That's true. I can't believe it. So I wrote a sketch based on that piece of information for college humor. Cause I had this hunch that if I did that on the internet, right, that that would go really far, that, that people would share it a lot more because the, Oh, here's a piece of information. I'm, I'm amazed by I can share with my friends. Um, that sketch that we did, did really well. Um, and the, the key thing that I did was, 
Um, I took that version of myself from when I was younger, um, where I was like not socially adept and people were like, what the hell are you talking about? Get out of here. Um, and I wrote that into the sketch. So I wrote the other actors in the sketch, making fun of me and saying, oh my God, you're such a pain in the ass. Why are you telling me about this? I'm just trying to propose to my girlfriend. Why are you interrupting us to tell us this information? Um, and that sort of self-deprecating comedy ended up being the comedy engine that, that made the whole thing go. Um, and that was really me trying to turn like my, my, character my persona of myself as a younger person and turning that into a comedy character you know i always had in mind like you know like larry david on curb your enthusiasm you know i I always knew that oh a really smart thing is if you can find what's funny about yourself and negative about yourself and then inflate that into a character you know you're watching that show and you're like well that's not him but it's partially him it's like the seed is him right that's the him who goes to the beach and says i don't what do people see in this you know that's larry david so my annoying abrasive quality where i'm telling you shit you don't want to know is that that was me attempting to inflate that um then at that time college humor was that that sketch was a hit college humor was looking to sell tv shows so they asked me to develop that into a TV show. Um, we did three more sketches on the web, uh, and then we pitched it around, and True TV bought it, and then we were sort of off to the races. So yeah. you pitched to how many different networks? Oh, probably about eight to ten, I would say. Uh, and it taught it taught me a, a lot about pitching. <laughs> and you were in the room in every pitch, obviously. Yep, yep. And you were the driving force on the pitch, and... The people from College Humor, and this is not a knock against College Humor because it's an amazing organization, but at the time, not a juggernaut in selling television shows. No, not at all. So you're going into a room yeah. with essentially there's two people going into the room that haven't really done it before yeah. successfully. Yeah. I don't even think they had a show on the air. Maybe there was one. They I, had one on MTV like almost like like six years prior that went one season. Yeah. Um, but the people that were probably there then weren't there at six years ago. No, yeah. So you're going into the pitch meetings, if you don't mind me saying, with a cracked foundation. Mm-hmm. The cracked foundation is you're not going in as a guy who sold seven shows or mm-hmm. three shows. And even though you hadn't, you're not going in with somebody who'd sold 10 shows. Right. So you're both rookies going into a pitch meeting with networks and you've never really done it before. Very true. Uh, and, and you won. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, and it was it was extremely lucky that we did. Uh, you know, I think what lucky lucky and well luck luck is part of it and i'll break it down first of all what we were selling was like undeniably good we had a reel that we showed that was you know people that they could watch and say okay this is funny we'd show one of the sketches we could say look this has 10 million hits on youtube right um this is a franchise that's doing well on the web that we're selling you here and you can tell that it's good and we had a really well-made pitch deck and and you know we sold it well in the room and you know i just knew like how to sell it right i I had the feeling like once we were working on it i was like yeah this is the this is the project that'll that'll work for me i know that i can do it i'm not nervous about it really you know i know that it's good um 
So that's the part where it's preparation and it being the right idea. There's also luck, me being in the right place, right? I happen to be working at College Humor. Um, But all that stuff is advantages that we've given ourselves. The part of it that's luck is that uh, we pitched it at eight to 10 different places and every single place said, everyone liked it, right? In the room, they were like, wow, this this is really good. We really like it. But then they would say something like, but our network is all guys dying on fishing boats, right? <laughs> that was li- basically, all, that's almost word for word what someone said. You know, we, we've got, we've got, you know, deadliest catch or whatever, right? And so how do, this, does this work for us? I don't know, you know? One, net, one network exec actually said to me, to my face, he said, you know, if this was Nick Offerman hosting it, it could work for us. And I was very restrained and not saying fuck you to the guy's face because I'm pitching it, right? <laughs> like this is, I'm pitching it for me. Don't tell that to me. You can think that. That's fine for you to think. Don't tell it to me to my face. But so that's what, you know, they, they all had a very specific, you know, uh, niche that it didn't quite fit. When we pitched True TV, they, it, we happened to be selling what they were buying, right? They were in a new place. They had just rebranded. They were more experimental. They were less, you know, History Channel had this idea of who they were. Discovery. Was this when Maureen Taron was there? Too? Yep, she was there. Um, uh, they had just sort of rebranded into comedy and they're really trying to do comedy hard. And also they had, I remember them saying to me in the meeting, one of the execs said to the other, uh, oh, this could fit really well. We were talking about having that brain candy block and this could fit well with that other show that we're doing that's kind of informational comedy, right? And they were like, oh yeah, that could work really well. And so that's what made them buy the pilot. Now, the brain candy block never happened and the other show they were thinking of pairing it with was quickly canceled, right? But they had just gotten a directive from their managers. Hey, we're looking for informative comedy, right? So that happened to be the one place that was looking to buy what we were looking to sell. If they hadn't been in the market for that type of show that month, nobody would have bought it, right? And so that's the luck element. And, and that is what I try to take to me anytime, take with me anytime I'm pitching now. It's the number one piece of advice I give people who are pitching is like, look, just do your best and then accept that you, someone needs to be receiving what you're selling. If you, you know, you're selling gadgets, someone needs to be in the market for gadgets. If nobody is, too bad, try again next time, you know? Because that ends up helping you take your ego out of it a little bit, you know? Because it's not always totally within your control. That's, uh, so that's the part that I'm like, I was very, very lucky. Because you're right, we were very... We were missing a lot of the things that makes a show an easy sell, right? No big celebrity host, no super long pedigree, etc. It was just great, great concept, you know, um, and sort of proven online tape. And uh, uh, so in a lot of other slightly different universes, it wouldn't have gone. What was the second choice for the name? The second choice for the name that was the only that was the only choice we ever had um and that I, was the name of the original sketches the original sketch was actually well so what i did was the original if you go back and watch the original sketch it's just a joke at the end i say join me next time on adam ruins life's greatest pleasures you know and the other characters are like oh my god what the hell and then i believe sam reich who was running college humor video at the time and who i Oh, a ton to, I believe he was the one who said, Hey, how about Adam ruins everything as a, as a shorter version of that, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's all right there in the title. Hey everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, 
or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey, everybody, and I wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast, starting with AquaTrue. If you haven't bought this countertop water purification system, you have to do so. It's incredible. It turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly. It saves you thousands and thousands of dollars. It gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have in your trash. Thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these. Everybody loves it. Not one complaint. It's incredible. I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, you'll immediately get a $100 discount, a $100 discount, and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the air doctor. I don't know what the air inside your house is like but the air inside my house it feels heavy at times before I got this product and now it got rid of all the bad air in my house the dust the pet hair the pollen it just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home and for me when I got this product it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house and it's normally $600 and you can check Amazon right now and you'll see but for all of you listening today I can offer you $300 off $300 just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry that's airdoctorpro.com promo code Barry and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world Take our audience back to where you grew up, because I think it's important that they know you were in this group of people that were all brilliant. You're brilliant, but they weren't in the comedy field. They weren't in the entertainment field. So what was your first inspiration to getting into this crazy business? Uh, you know, it's funny. I was never one of those people who saw comedy on TV and said, I want to do that, like from a young age. I had it more deeply buried inside. You know, I did love comedy. I, I remember when, you know, we I found out that we could add Comedy Central to our cable package for like an extra $2 a month. And I like went to my parents, I was like, it's like only $2, we have to get it. I want to I want to see this channel so bad. I like, you know, inhaled Comedy Central and et cetera. 
Um, I grew up on Long Island, uh, uh, and you know, comedy was a comedy was a huge interest of mine. Uh, but you know, it wasn't until my uh, friend of mine, uh, his name was Ben Popek, started uh, started our sketch group in college. You know, he's like, I'm starting a sketch comedy group, and I was like, Oh, I want to be in that. I think I can do it. Like I have, I have ideas that I believe are funny. You know, what were the things that really blew you away? I mean, I remember when. Uh, there were so many things, but Co- Comedy Central was so weird in those old days, you know? Like, so the reason I wanted Comedy Central was all my friends were watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I, w- and I would go over to their house, they'd be watching, and I was like, I need this show. Like, it was felt like a secret sort of thing that, like, uh, I wanted to have access to. Um, my friends were really into Dr. Katz, uh, which is a very funny show for, like, literal 12-year-old boys to be, like, really into Dr. Katz, right? Um but uh, and then I remember when we got it and I turned it on, the first thing that was on was Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, that was the British version uh, that they were rerunning. Like they do like two hours of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And I was just like, what is this? Like, what are these people doing? This is so funny. How are they doing it? What is it called? You know, and of course, now I know it's hey, short form improv. It's actually not even, you know, as for, for improv people, they don't even consider that like the best improv that's out there, you know. And then when I finally went to New York and I saw long form improv, I was like flabbergasted like 10 times 10. But, you know, as a kid on Long Island, you know, seeing like Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery and, and those people. Um, and then uh, I really liked the weird shows. Like there was this group that was on Comedy Central called the Bert Firshners. I don't know if you remember this group. You remember them? Okay, great. So they had like they had like a couple like interstitial music videos. They did like one special on Comedy Central um, and a couple other things. They never even had a series really. But I was just like fascinated by you know, this sort of weird comedy that was that was on there. Oh, and Kids in the Hall. I mean, Kids in the Hall was on, that was rerun every day right when I got home from school. So I watched Kids in the Hall every single day. Um, and so all those influences, and then of course, you know, The Simpsons was like hugely influential on anybody who was, you know, growing up around when I was. I watched two episodes of The Simpsons a day. Um, and when you're doing that, that's really like, it's almost like a comedy writing class, you know, to be watching two kids in the halls and two Simpsons every single day for your high school years, you're going to pick up a lot about, uh, about how to write a joke. And so you were in this situation where your family, mom, dad, sister, beyond extraordinarily brilliant and like yeah. nuclear physicist kind of people, yes. whatever it was. Yes. And so you're going to the comedy clubs and you're not breaking through at the open mics the way you want to you're mm-hmm. at the sketch places yeah you're doing well you had a sketch group that actually won some awards i believe in aspen so things had to happen but for the most part it could be argued that maybe it wasn't going as well as you want it to go yeah so you're in the shadow of your family yeah is there any point in this show's success on True TV, where you actually go home, you sit on the couch, and you're like, okay, I'm part of the club now. Yeah. When was the first time you felt that, that you were on the same status or par as your family? Well, you know, my uh, when I started working at College Humor, I was like, at least I have a full-time job in comedy now, which was a, which was a big deal for me. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, when we started doing the TV show, that was when I, I got to sort of feel pride and, and, you know, bring that home to my family. And uh, the thing is, my whole family is like interested in science communication and science education. You know, my sister actually uh, became a science journalist at the magazine Science News. Uh, and my dad, who works at University of Oregon, is, is interested in that as well. And so it did end up sort of that I came around to the family business by informing, you know, my audience about, uh, you know, scientific issues, um, along with other issues, uh, in a in a really ingestible way. I managed to follow in their follow in their footsteps a bit, you know, um, but they were. Uh, you know they were they were, they were definitely they were supportive you know i uh they were supportive they were supportive uh they never told me not to do it you know i um when i first moved to new york i got a job as a web developer i had a full-time job with benefits and i quit the job in order to work with my sketch group so that we could like keep making videos you know and that was a very risky decision and they told me years later oh yeah we were worried about that but we didn't tell you at the time you know but then Nine months after that was when we went to the Aspen Comedy Festival with our sketch group, um, which was like a big, I was like 23 or something like that. And we're like flying. It was the last year they ever did the Aspen Comedy Festival. And, uh, you know, that ended up sort of being the height of how big the group got. Right. But that experience gave me a taste of like, OK, here's the industry. It does work. You know, you can work your way into it. It's not a mystery. It's not a lottery ticket. You know, it's something that you can attain with, you know, effort and a bit of luck. Uh, and so then, you know, after that, my career was like, there's a dip for a little while. I, you know, I spent six or seven more, more than that years after that, maybe eight years after that, you know, toiling at the open mics. Um, and not knowing for sure if it was going to work out, but, but knowing, Hey, I, I built that up that far once and I can do that again, you know? And I actually always really credit that. Um, I'm so happy that the group, you know, had a high and then broke up and then my career took a dip after that because, uh, it was really good to get a sense that you can go up and down over the course of your career and to have a sense of equanimity about that. Uh, because, you know, I had to deal with the fact that I felt we were prodigies. Oh my God, we're going to get our own TV show. We're doing so well. We're like 23 years old and we're going to Aspen. Like we're going to be huge, you know? And then we weren't. Um, and I was like, okay, I have to build back up if I want to continue having a career in this industry. And that's a normal thing. I realized that's a normal thing to happen to people. And I know people now who are getting their first taste of success at like 35, right? Um, and there can be a panic about it because they because they see I've seen they see any sort of dip as being a real problem, you know, whereas I learned early, oh, a little bit of failure is like, OK, <laughs> you know, like there's there are ups and downs and that's fine. And so I'm very happy I had that experience in my early 20s uh, rather than rather than later on. When I first saw the show, Adam ruins everything. I always think to myself when I'm going out and pitching shows or and sell a show, I'm thinking, okay, how is this going to go 100 episodes and get into syndication? Now, mm -hmm. obviously, it doesn't have to go 100 episodes to do well, whatever. But I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be great. We got the episode on the wall and immigration, and we mm -hmm. got the prisons and the wedding and all sorts of things like that, football. I'm thinking, boy. And then I had to laugh because I remember I was scrolling through something or what, and... I'm thinking, how is he going to keep this up? And then the next show 
was like on nachos or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're running out of topics here. <laughs> Do you find like you're ever going to run out of topics and you're nervous about we're it? We're never going to run out of topics because our show is about anything that you can look. You know, the, the show's method is to look at anything that we take for granted and to look into it more deeply and say, what is the truth about it? And that's everything. But nachos. I'm trying to figure that one out. <laughs> Was that just a wink, wink joke to yourself? Yeah, or? pretty much. I mean, we, we always look for uh, different ways to make every episode work. Right. And so so many of our episodes are about like a big abstract noun like that, like immigration or something that everybody is, you know, a stage of life. Everyone goes through Adam Rubin's weddings or having a baby or something like that. But we were we had these topics, you know, we put our topics up on our cork board. Someone has a pitch on. Uh, you know, one topic, someone's pitching another topic. We say, what could those go under? You know, and we had done a couple of food episodes. We did one called Adam Ruins Nutrition. We did one called, um, uh, I'm blanking what the other one is called now. Um, but, uh, you know, we were like, oh, we have a couple more food topics. Should we do Adam Ruins the Grocery Store and like go through different things in the grocery store? Because we, we have one on corn. We have, you know, we want to say something about bacon. We want to say something about avocados. Adam Ruins the Grocery Store. No, that's boring. We're just going to be hanging around in a grocery store all episode. That feels like we've done that before because we've already done Adam Ruins the Shopping Mall. So, it's just going to feel like that again. Oh, these are all nacho ingredients. Wouldn't it be funny if Adam is... Now I talk about myself in the third person. Wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if Adam is hanging out with someone who just wants to eat his fucking nachos and Adam will not let him alone and let him actually eat the things and is instead going to you know, take him on this journey, you know, this incredibly deep journey about the, the history and the, the manufacturing chain of every single ingredient of the plate of nachos. That's sort of the, the method of the show writ large. Large, you know, but it's also, yeah, a, a title unlike any other title that we've done. So uh, that's one of the it's one of the things we try to do. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Aquatru, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And that wraps up part one of two episodes. You can check out the next episode this coming Thursday. And here's a preview of the next episode. 
that's the beautiful thing about stand-up is like you can think about what you're going to do before you get up there as much as you want and it doesn't matter because after you've done three sets everything that you thought you knew is going to be out the window right you're going to be starting from zero okay wait how do i negotiate this experience and like make this work right and uh the same is true of like any activity (laughs) so just like just start As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. You're going far. Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.